Welcome back, everybody, to Nutty Buddy Sports. On today's episode, we are going to recap the NFL Championship Weekend, talk about both the NFC and the AFC game, and then we're going to talk about some of the coaching uh, news around the NFL. And then if we have time, we'll see. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the NBA, catch up a little on that. If not, we'll we'll try to get that in a week or two. But to do that with me, I have Clint. Clint's back. How's it going? Wait, wait. I thought we were just talking about NBA. That's that's why I'm here, right? <laughs> it's basketball season now, right? That's what we're talking about. Uh, I know that's what you want to talk about, but unfortunately, you were gracious. Uh-huh. You were gracious enough to join me to still talk about uh, this weekend of games, which didn't go very well for you. Well, I figured if you have to put up with me when they win, I guess I can uh, swallow the pill and talk about a loss. Yeah, it's funny because I don't remember ever texting you when your team was not doing so good. Uh, but I do remember you telling me stuff about Tua when my team was doing so. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, as far as friendships go, I think I'm I'm winning the friendship uh, race here. I'm the better friend. No? Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. That, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. Yeah, I was expecting it, but I think uh, even my friends or and some of my cousins didn't text me after uh, – it looked, you know, when it was obvious they can't do anything. I'm like, oh, I think everyone felt pity. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a sense of that. But it was like, man, like, you know, I as a Dolphin fan, we were there this year. Like, we're starting our third string quarterback. You know, you you, you lost two quarterbacks. Now you had to go down to the fourth string. Why, why don't we get into that game? Let's just do that because we're going to be talking about it anyway. So let's get into the NFC championship game between the Eagles and the Niners. Um it was a 7-7 game. Uh, Brock Purdy got hurt, I think, on his first pass attempt, right, of the game, basically. Um, and then uh, Josh Johnson got, you know, he he took the field. He looked fine for a little bit. Like, he wasn't hurting them, except for that one fumble. But then after halftime, and then he got a concussion, and then it was all downhill from there. The Eagles eventually won 31-7. to um, Clint, if you had to describe this game in a word or phrase... How would you describe this game? It was just painful. Like, (laughs) not like, like, oh my gosh, I was so devastated they lost. Because as the game went on, you know, like when Josh Johnson came in, I mean, even though he played good, he played okay for a couple drives. But I was like, they're they're not going to win with Josh. If they win with Josh Johnson, like they should just get the Super Bowl. Like they should just not even play it and just give the Niners the Super Bowl. But I'm like, there's no way. Like even when they tied it seven to seven, you were like, okay, but you know, like they were probably limited to the plays they were going to be able to run. The Eagles would have adjusted at halftime, and it just would have been probably similar. So, it, yeah, it's tough. It's just different when you have somebody who can actually throw the ball downfield. And I think, like, man, once Pretty came back in, you know, after after Josh got had the concussion, it just was like that offense couldn't really do much to move the ball with again, especially against that defense who was kind of knocking the quarterbacks out, which, you know, was part of what their, their uh, bread and butter was all season getting to the quarterback. Yeah, it was, I mean, if we get into the game, like, Go ahead, I know yeah. the Eagles put up like 31 points, but I thought the defense played good for most of that mm-hmm. game. Like, the Eagles had 270 yards on 70 plays, basically. Like, I know they got the three rushing touchdowns, and in the end, it's 31 to seven. But the 
hindsight looking back is like even if Brock Purdy didn't play that good that that was on pace to be probably a pretty close game yeah I felt like the 49ers felt a little defeated especially after like they realized their quarterback couldn't throw it downfield so it was it was interesting because uh, so let's just uh, maybe back it up just a little bit because so it's seven. Well, let, let me ask you about this one because this was a big play because it was a fourth and three when I think on the 35 yard line, the Eagles decide to go for it. That was really early in the game. Devonte Smith catches the ball and then he drops it. He, he didn't complete the process of the catch. Um, that would have been really nice for the San Francisco 49ers to challenge that and get that right because it would have set them up pretty nicely if they would have got that uh, challenge out there. Yeah, I thought they should, you should just challenge it regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't the second half where you're worried about uh, we need this timeout. Um, so, and plus the way that he reacted, I feel like you should just challenge it, throw the flag. They might even do the whole, you know, the booth decides to take a second look at it before the official challenge. But, you know, when he ran up and he was doing the, the fist bump, you got to be like, that's some kind of signal that uh, I don't think I caught this. But I get like the replays for the rest of the drive that we saw were like, oh, it was a catch. Like we, it looked like a catch. And then you come back from commercial and you're like, convenient that that, that one didn't get out there. But I, I still think especially because it was fourth down. You should just throw the challenge flag. Who cares if you waste the time out? It's the first quarter. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't do one of those, the, the fast, one of those expedient challenges that they've, they've done to get the call right in the past. And I'm surprised they don't use that more, especially in big game situations, but that was a big turning point in the game. And I say, I think the other one, even after Brock Purdy got injured, the other big turning point was right before halftime when Josh Johnson, obviously, he had like a really, uh, it was a slant pass to, uh, I think, Debo Samuel. It got to the first down in the very next play. He just like got ahead of himself, it looked like, when the um, ball was snapped to him and he fumbled. Let me ask you, so uh, do you think like Shanahan should have played it safe or do you think he should have went for went for that those points at the end of half? I was fine with them going with like, I mean, Brock Purdy, his first pass was a slant. It was like, I don't know, 16 yards. Then he got hurt on his third pass attempt, right? Because he was two for okay, two before yeah. he got hurt. And then Josh, like they were open across the middle. And like that slant, like Debo was like just a, a step from breaking that. Like, they, he barely got tripped up. So, I mean, you're worried about the pass rush, but if you take a sack, I don't know, you go to halftime. I thought it was fine. It's just, you know, he totally took his eye off the ball. And then he Cam Newton did in the Super Bowl, like going for the fumble, like just laying there just instead of attacking the ball. But, you know, I guess if you go into halftime 14-7. But again, I don't, I don't think Josh Johnson is leading any comeback. And I think maybe you catch the Eagles off guard because the Eagles probably thought, all right, they're just going to run this or throw a screen pass and maybe you get a field goal out of it. But. I don't, I don't hate it because I feel like too often the 49ers don't do that before half. They just run it twice, and if they break a 12-yard run, then they decide to go for it. I thought it was, you know, you get a 12-yard slant, maybe see if you can get some points before half. Yeah, I agree. I think that, like, especially because of um, the uh, the situation you were in, right? Like, if you can't, like, 
if you get points, it's a big boost to your team, even if it's a field goal with your four string quarterback, you're driving the field. If you get points and then you get the ball back, like I think that's the way to go. I would say that even like um, when they were down to, you know, Brock, when they had to go back to Brock Purdy after the concussion that Josh Johnson had, um, the uh, I, I was surprised that the Niners think it a little bit more like just throw a bunch of random things like wild me Luke was over. Right. So we were talking about that. Like, why don't you just put Debo and McCaffrey back there do some wild cap, have, have them like, just throw the ball deep, just try crazy things because this is the last game of the season. So what if you throw an interception, you know, like a 50 yard bomb interception that McCaffrey throws or whatever, how far ever he can throw it. Like just try to win, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm a little surprised they were, they were so conservative in the second half where it was basically like, we're going to run the ball and then we're going to do like two yard passes because our quarterback can't throw it more than five yards downfield. Yeah. I, I don't know if they were worried, like, you don't want to get someone hurt. Um, you know, if Christian McCaffrey is back there and Hassan Reddick decides to, uh, <laughs> you know, tee off on him because you're you're running all these, you know, like motions and no one blocks someone again. So I do agree, though. You probably should just at least attempt one or two. You know, have George Kittle chuck a pass or something. I don't know. You know, if you throw a pick, you throw a pick. It's over anyhow. But, you know, I guess it's hard to, because it was what twenty-one-seven at half, and then Josh Johnson went out. So it's almost like, all right, <laughs> you know what? What are we doing here? Like, can we just fast forward to the end unless the Eagles are gonna turn it over three times? But yeah, I feel like you were like the the one thing I'll say. Maybe it's like just sort of if if the Niners could have found a way to put more pressure on the Eagles, like because at that moment. Halfway through the game, nobody thought the Niners were could, going to win that game. Hurts didn't like play excellent; like he didn't have a very good game. Their run game was fine. They had more ex- like a couple explosive runs that made their running game look better than maybe it was it was the entire game. But like, but Hurts wasn't like great. And I just felt like if you could have put more pressure on the 49ers, I mean the Eagles, they might have like kind of shot themselves in the foot. If you, I don't know, just try different things, but. You know, who knows? But I, I agree with you. Once once Josh Johnson went out and it went 21 to 7, Josh Johnson goes out, it went to my small TV. <laughs> we put it on the small TV. We ended up playing 2K while we watched the rest of the game. That's what happened. And it was like, you can probably tell, like, I feel so blah talking about the game because I was watching it and you're like, the defense, they finally adjusted how they play defense against a running quarterback. Yeah. And I was watching it like, well, maybe if we ever played this way against Patrick Mahomes, uh, <laughs> you know, he wouldn't be scampering all over and throwing these, you know, uh, spontaneous passes all over. So I was watching them rush and they're keeping Hurts in the pocket for the most part. And he didn't look good. I mean, the Devonta Smith catch was like, that's a terrible throw. <laughs> you know, he just one handed it. He had yep. two, two to at least one to AJ Brown where it was at his ankles, but he caught it. There's another one. So, that part of the game, I was like, the defense is playing how you thought. Um, they had a couple long drives, but again, I don't expect you to go in and like shut the Eagles to, you know, a 10-7 game. Right. Uh, but I mean, the Eagles scored the first drive and then they did nothing for the rest of the half <laughs> until the, until just before half, they scored that touchdown. And then you had the fumble and then like three plays and a touchdown. So they went, what, four drives doing absolutely nothing. So. 
from that aspect, I'm like, you just wasted a great defensive performance mm-hmm. through yeah. that first half. So that's why when I watch it, I'm like, oh, if Brock Purdy played yeah. and just was serviceable, I feel like they could move it on the Eagles. You know, <clears throat> they could run it on the Eagles. Christian McCaffrey apparently looked like, you know, Mike Allstead. I just saw Mike Allstead. I don't know if you remember that big white. I do. I do. I saw some highlights that just popped in my head. I'm like, he just runs over four guys, gets a touchdown. You're like, I think they can run it on the Eagles. And, you know, the Eagles are going to do 14 plays. The Niners will probably get a 10 or 14 play drive. And it's just going to come, you know, down to a stop or two. So that part is disappointing. But once for me, once Brock Purdy went out, I was like, I mean, done. there's no way, you yeah, know, it's done. And when yeah. they tied it at seven, my son got all into it. And I was like, still, what's going to happen is the defense is going to tire out because you can only do so much with Josh Johnson. Correct. And that one drive, I think they, they crossed midfield, got a holding penalty. And you're like, all right, well, we might as well punt on second down because Josh Johnson isn't going to get us <laughs> 20 yards on this defense uh, in three downs. So, yeah, it's just. It's like a terrible way to end the season because it's like you do all of this. And Brock Purdy, I mean, he looked good for the most part for the eight games. The defense looks good. Everything is, like, clicking. Not that I expected him to go in there and, you know, win that game. I picked him to win, but I told you I thought they were probably going to lose. But And for it to end like, like that, where you're like, what a waste of that defense games. It's just, oh. It's done. It's done. Well, and then the the one drive, I think it's the one where they scored four that when they went up 14-7, it was basically like a penalty ridden drive where it kind of like it kept started off with like a roughing the punter call. Um, and then another I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was a couple of calls that kept that drive going downfield, and I think they ended up scoring. I didn't quite agree with the roughing the punter call. I thought it was more like they were blocking and they kind of both, you know, like the block was being engaged and you kind of ran into them. Um, I guess by letter of the law, you can maybe, but I'm just like, what is it? What is he supposed to do in that moment when he's engaged with the blocker and trying to block a punt at the same time, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, more so in the other game, but the, the refing this week, like, oh man, again, they lost 31 to seven. So the refs didn't cost me game, but there was two or three calls. We were like, all right, well, I guess that's the advantage of having <laughs> the game in Philadelphia. We were like, all right, well, we haven't called any of this stuff. You know, like the one six yard pass interference, like on third and six or whatever, where you're like, all right, like no one calls that all playoffs. If you watch the Jaguars chargers game, you know, they were like, oh, right. Riding each, they're like playing chicken back there and they're not calling anything. And he like, bumps them as he's going for the ball and so the referee and you're like all right if that was a close game i probably would have just like i would have came on here with some fire or something but you're like all right well you're the game was over at that <laughs> yeah point because because of the injuries but you're like all right we got some home calls here we got you know the roughing the punter one you're like i mean what's he's he's in the air sure and he's getting pushed and you're like all right well i don't know yeah so it's just the accumulation of everything was like, I don't know why I watched it to the end, you know, to feel that pain, but I'm like, I don't know why I'm watching this for three and a half hours. <laughs> <Anymore>, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, fair. Like, and then you feel bad for like George, like you, you could see it out there, like Kittle and Debo and Christian McCaffrey. Once you got into the third quarter, like, what are we even doing? <laughs> you know, you just, you have no hope. 
Well, yeah, that's that's why I'm surprised Shanahan didn't try try different things. You know what I'm saying? Just like to, to get a little spark going. Because if you scored the touchdown and you're only down seven, you know, like in the second half and all the pressures on the Eagles, who knows at that point? Like Hurts could have made a mistake or whatever. But uh, that didn't happen. The Eagles moved on. Uh, good for them, though. Their rebuild was pretty cool. I, I like that Hurts is a... Uh, question about Hertz. Actually, I do have a question about him. Is he is he going to be the next Russell Wilson? Like, you know, defense sort of helps carry him. He's getting sort of this rep, but like, I don't know. I wasn't really impressed by the way he played today. Uh, not today, but Sunday. Uh, he might play differently on Saturday. I mean, uh, next, not this coming Sunday, but the next Sunday and the Super Bowl. But uh, I, I'm just kind of curious, like, could he eventually be like the next Russell Wilson where like, you know, he rolled the Legion of Boom to the Super Bowl and uh, we see him when he's like without that. And uh, he had one of the best pass rushing teams in the league on his side. So, like, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I. I don't want to sound like I've never been overly impressed with Jalen Hurts, not because I don't think he's good. I think he's fine, but he didn't look much better in that is this game than he did last year in the playoffs against Tampa where Tampa pretty much did the same thing to him. And it's, mm. you know, I'm sure he's a little hurt still and he didn't run a lot, but you can kind of play the quarterback not to run like the Niners did a good job of that. Tampa Bay did a good job. So I don't know if he'll throw the ball as good as Russell Wilson. Um, I mean, Jalen hurts does have a good looking deep ball and it seems like that's what they fall back to is, we have A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. So, you know, that can bail them out. But, yeah, I feel like this is the Eagles' chance before they have to pay him because yeah. I, I don't I don't feel like he, at least yet, and he could develop into it. I don't feel like he's one of those quarterbacks where you're like, all right, this is our Patrick Mahomes. So even if we pay him $50 million a year, uh, he can carry us like Mahomes did against the the Bengals. Like, I, I don't see him as that type of guy, but I wouldn't complain. I mean – you're paying what was he a third round pick or something i mean you're paying him yeah. next to nothing and you can load the rest of your team for this year and probably next year i think before they have to extend him so right good enough yeah yeah i he, i think he'll be fine too i like him i don't know i i didn't watch i i'll be honest like you know i watched him on the red zone and stuff i didn't watch him a ton this year uh but we'll see yeah we'll see what happens with him moving forward let's talk about the any other other things about this game that you want to hit on any uh, anything else they could have called it at half but no <laughs> no no okay okay yeah <laughs> save us all two hours um okay where do the niners go from here you tell me I mean, I, I think their team is good enough. Like, it just maybe don't start out the year three and four again for the second year in a row so you don't have to go on the road uh, <laughs> for the no. NFC Championship game. Sure. I mean, that might be a be a help, but I don't know. You just have to figure out if it's Brock Purdy or Tom Brady or whoever it's going to be. Like, they don't have a ton of huge free agents. Like, Mike McGlinchey, all right, I mean, he's – okay but you know he spends half the day sideways uh <laughs> against dallas so and jimmy ward he's fine um so i think they have a good enough team i hope i know this sounds stupid but i like i hope they don't sign tom brady because why just, <laughs> i mean like why would they do it yeah you know right. yeah yeah it's just you know like the 49ers their offensive line is good for the system they run but it's not good if if you're down 21 seven and you got to throw it especially against a team like the eagles with a good offensive line um 
Tom Brady doesn't move at all. No. <laughs> you know, so at least Brock Purdy can move around. Not that it has to be Brock Purdy, whether it's Trey Lance or something. So I get the name and, you know, it sounds dumb to say you don't want Tom Brady on your team because he's, <laughs> he's the GOAT. But I don't know. I ju- it just feel like you you just put yourself in a hard position where it has to be Tom Brady then. You know, you can't bench Tom Brady if he's not playing good. So I just think they should – you know, I would probably let McGlinchey go. I haven't looked at the other right tackles that are in free agency, but I don't feel like he's a guy that I'd be like, let's pay him $25 million and bring him back. Um, other than that, it's find a defensive coordinator and hope that you don't lose four quarterbacks in the season again. <laughs> yeah, that's the most interesting storyline that I think there is for the Niners is what they're going to do at quarterback because, like, I think – Purdy had a UCL tear, right? Is that what they determined? So how, did you see how long of a recovery that is? It's about six months. If he has so, a surgery in the next week, he should be ready for training camp, they said. Okay. So then you got to decide, well, are we going to go with this, you know, Brock Purdy? Are we going to, you know, Garoppolo, I'm assuming is going to be gone. So then it's Tr- Trey Lance or, or Tom Brady, like you said. I don't think I do Tom Brady. I will have to say, though, those weapons are perfect for Tom Brady, like Debo being that guy that like gets open real quick. And then you got Kittle like being your uh, Gronk. And then you got McCaffrey being like your, you know, uh, James White, but like way better than James White, you know, type of uh, catch, uh, receiving running back. So uh, it is sort of like a perfect system for Tom Brady three years ago. I just don't know if he he's got it anymore. I mean, we'll see everybody, every time anybody doubts him, but you also have these two young quarterbacks that you got to see what you got. So like I would pick between two of them personally, I'd probably pick Purdy and just trade Lance and see what I could get for him. Uh, That's what I would do, but I'm, I'm interested to see what they do at the quarterback position because that's the, that's kind of like the most interesting part about the 49ers moving forward. Yeah. And I, I had nightmares when we, when I was thinking about it during the game, like, if the 49ers win that game, that means Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start the Super Bowl. And I would be back at <laughs> square one of having to watch Jimmy Garoppolo against the Chiefs and been like, oh my gosh, this is worse. But yeah, I I agree. I would I would start with Purdy, assuming that his arm isn't gonna, you know, fall off and it's not one of those where it takes him a year to recover. Um I don't think they'll trade Trey Lance. I think unless, you know, the guy um the new GM from the for, that went to the Titans is from the 49ers. Apparently, he was a big Trey Lance fan. So, unless the Titans are gonna, you know, offer you something, uh, I would just bring back Trey Lance and let him run the off season, see how it goes. Let him play in the preseason. I don't know. I mean, I I feel bad for him <laughs> being the third pick, and everyone was hyped to have him, and now it's like, yeah, we got Brock Purdy. But I think you just roll with that, and yeah, I would. I yeah, no, I agree. I I feel like I would think about what, like try just see what the market is for him because if you can get like a first pick, you know, first overall, not yeah. first overall pick, but you know, like a first round pick for him, it'd be worth moving on from him. You know, like just getting, you know, like a right tackle or whatever you know that you need. So, so I mean that I think exploring that would be wise, but I do agree. Like the the sort of mystery of what Trey Lance could be might be enough just to keep him there. But, yeah, I guess we'll see. Okay, you want to talk a little bit about coaching news before we talk about the AFC game? Sounds good. 
Okay, let's do it. Okay, a couple of hirings I'll hit on. Um, we we got uh, Frank Reich. He's going to be the head coach for Carolina. Sean Payton is going to be the head coach for the Denver Broncos. That was a huge trade. A first round this year and a second round next year. So we'll see how that. D'Amico Ryans um, will be the head coach for the Texans. Uh, Bill O'Brien's going back to the Patriots. Pretty interesting there. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett. I think this is a notable one. Just saying is he's going to be the offensive coordinator for the Jets. And then I'll just mention this one. We were talking. Oh, um, well, let's Mike LaFleur. He's going to be the coordinator for the charger. Uh, no Rams. Kellen Moore is the ch- coordinator for the chargers. That's I think will be interesting. And then as of right now, Vic Fangio might be still in the air, but apparently he's supposed to have signed with the Dolphins, but maybe not yet. So take it from there. What one? What 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 one uh, are you most interested in signing? The signing that happened. Which one are you like? Oh, that that team's going to regret that in two years. Well, I like D'Amico Ryan's. I don't know. I know he's he played in Houston, and it's like his dream job. But I don't know if I would want my first job <laughs> to be. The Texans, like how dysfunctional they are right now. I just, Correct. I feel bad for him because he's going to go there and, I mean, they can't be any worse. So, you know, maybe they'll get to six wins or something, but they don't got a quarterback. They they don't have a ton. They're not like overflowing with talent where it's just like, we got to wrangle this together and be good. But, I mean, I guess if they draft good the next couple of years, they got picks. But I just feel like, I know your goal is to be a head coach. That's what you do this for, but. I don't know. I, I, I would feel quite hopeless going to that organization, even if I played for them. Yeah, I agree. I think if I'm a defensive coordinator, I want a situation where there's a veteran quarterback already there and they kind of like need help getting their defense fixed. You know, like that's what I like. Let's say for instance, if the, uh, the chiefs, right? Like for some reason, Andy Reid retires, that would be a perfect spot for any defensive coordinator because it's like, Hey, I got Patrick Mahomes, so I, I'll, he can handle the offense, and I'll just like go to town on that defense. Whereas they're going to probably draft a quarterback at number two, and I always feel like if I'm going to get a young quarterback, I want an offensive coordinator as my head coach because they just know how to groom young quarterbacks better than defensive coordinators do. You know, as head coaches, like prime example for me is um, uh, 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 Wilson there, Zach Wilson over in New York versus maybe like someone like, even though he wasn't groomed necessarily. Right. But like Tua with Mike McDaniels, like Tua's like, Hey, I'm going to just, I, I'm going to get you to look the best you can look. And then like Zach Wilson, it's like, you know, <laughs> a defensive coordinator trying to get that to work. And he's like, no, I need you not to turn the ball over. I need you to do this and that. And then you just put a ton of pressure on that young QB. And then all of a sudden you can't do it because you're not let, like getting the best out of them. You're telling them what not to do instead of like putting him in a position to do things that he's great at. So I guess I'm, I'm really interested in that. I hope all the best for him, but I also would say like the one organization I wouldn't want to be hired by is the Texans because they seem to, you know, one year wonder at head coaches all the time. So I don't, that, that'll that be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. I mean, it's a good transition. If I were him, I would have wanted like the Carolina job. They have a lot of talent on defense. Mm. At least you can have one unit, make it look good. They got some guys on offense, so they're not just a dumpster fire on both sides of the ball. Uh, but Frank Wright, I mean, I guess he wanted to go from 
a team with no quarterback to a team with no quarterback. So he gets to uh, maybe that's his challenge. New quarterback every year. He wants to see how many years he can do it. But I don't know. I just I don't think it's a terrible hire. It's just they don't have a quarterback. So and when you're an offensive guy without a quarterback, it's only going to get you so far. Yeah, I agree. I, I was surprised he took that job. I like him as a head coach. I think he a little underrated what he did in uh um in Indianapolis the last couple of years, you know, considering their quarterback position. But uh yeah, he's gonna go to there. I wonder if they'll be in the market for like a Derek Carr or some like if Lamar Jackson becomes available, will they try to shoot for the stars and get Lamar Jackson? You know, something like that to get a veteran in there. Um but uh, yeah, that that'll be interesting to see. Nathaniel Hackett, let me ask you: Is it, is it like the Jets are trying to get uh, somebody down there? Somebody yeah. uh, this? I mean, I, I think that's Rutgers. where the uh, yeah, I think that's where the breadcrumbs are leading. Yeah, and, I mean, maybe he. I mean, I don't think he's a terrible offensive coordinator. I just don't know if it's a an upgrade from what they went for. You know, they mm-hmm. went from Mike Lafleur, who was having trouble, and maybe that was a Zach Wilson problem and not a him problem, but you bring in Nathaniel Hackett. It's not like outside of Rogers, he wasn't leading, you know, top five offenses. And right. so, but you look like a great offensive coordinator when you have Aaron Rodgers and you're just chucking it all over. And if you get Aaron Rodgers to the jets, they got wide receivers all over the place, good running back. So I think it's leaning that way. I didn't think he would, I don't think he's going to retire. I didn't think he would uh, necessarily get traded, but I don't know. I think for the first time, the Packers are uh, giving him the nudge that they want to trade him. You know, he said today that apparently there's some conversations going on that he's not involved in with some of the trade stuff. So I think they're trying to give him the, uh, the proverbial push out the door gently that he'll go for it. Yeah, it sort of reminds you a little bit about sort of like the Brett Favre saga. And it's funny that he's going to kind of follow the the same path that Brett Favre did. So it makes me wonder if in a year he'll be on a NFC North team. <laughs> You'll be on the Lions in two years. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, real quick, your thoughts on the Sean Payton trade? The, the Broncos are going for it. I mean, they gave up a ton for Russell Wilson. I guess you're going to double down. I know I'm not, you know, I'm not the Sean Payton guy, but it can't be worse. I I do think he has a good offensive system and he can put it together. Uh, And Russell Wilson can't, if he looks, (laughs) if he looks bad with Sean Payton, whatever he's going to come up with. And I think we can officially say that Russell Wilson is toast, but correct. It's a, it's a lot to give up for a coach for an aging quarterback that didn't show you a lot last year, but, they got the Walmart money. What are you going to do? You might as well. Your time is now. I mean, you got to pay Russell Wilson for the next at least two years anyhow. So, yeah, that's the one thing I was thinking is that at least their offense will will probably be good, right? Like that. That's the one thing you can like. Even when Sean Payton wasn't getting to the playoffs, his like Drew Brees was breaking records and doing all that stuff. So I think their offense will be fine. Um, any other? hirings you want to talk about before we move on i mean i guess kellen moore to the chargers is that's interesting you know he doesn't seem like he i mean he seems like he should have went to buffalo because they don't always seem like they have a plan Mm -hmm. but 
you know, the average yard of target is much higher than what the Chargers. I think it was two full yards to play higher. So I think the offense will improve because maybe they won't run like a 1995 offense with all these like just short, short plays and, and all that. But I, they still need a running back. I don't think it's a terrible hire. I'm not a huge fan of his, but got to be better than what joe lombardi was i was gonna there. say can't be worse you know can't <laughs> be worse than lombardi um and i'll just add if if the dolphins have in fact signed vic fangio which was everything i read i did not hear that he didn't he, you know didn't sign with him quite yet hopefully he does that's my dream signing for the dolphins that's going to be huge for the dolphins i think because i think their defense is just going to be so much better than it was this past year and I like Jordan Phillips and I like Bradley Chubb and his like Vangio's thing is like always to get pressure with the front four. And I think he can do it with that, that front line. So I'm actually pretty excited if he is the defense coordinator for the, uh, the dolphins. Yeah, he's good. I mean, he, I liked him when he was with the Niners back cause he shut down Rogers cause Rogers would refuse to be patient and take those five yard, six yard passes that they give up. So he's solid. Like can't, you know, the Dolphins defense was uh, pretty terrible in stretches last year. And I know there were some injuries into it, but he's got a solid system. He's done it in, what, four places now where their defense has been good. I mean, he even made the Bears defense good for a couple of years. So um, if the Dolphins get him, that's a big, especially in that division uh, with the high-powered offenses, assuming we'll just assume Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. So <sighs> it's a good hire. I, they need him. I mean, he could just back out and be like, you know what? I want to go back to San Francisco. That would be nice. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't be like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, last, last thing, maybe just I'll, I'll hit on if you have anything to add, you can just, it's nice. I, I'm not, obviously, being a Dolphin fan, I'm glad when the Patriots don't succeed, but I'm just glad, like, Mac Jones didn't deserve to have Matt Patricia as his offensive coordinator. And, um, I, I didn't really blame Mac Jones for how bad the offense was last year. I blame more Matt Patricia because I saw what he did to Detroit. And I'm like, there's just, I mean, he had like, he made Matthew Stafford look bad. So I'm just like saying like, you can't. So anyway, getting Bill O'Brien, I think will be good because at least it's somebody who knows how to call an offensive system. <laughs> I was going to say it's someone that uh, has a plan. Even yes. if you don't like it all the time, like, you know, their offense wasn't uh, awesome in Houston outside of the fact that they had Deshaun Watson doing some crazy stuff. I don't think uh, Mac Jones is Deshaun Watson, but it can't be worse than, you know, some of the stuff that has come out that they didn't have enough plays in some of these games. And they just kept calling the same plays three yeah. or four times in the defense. zone. like that's I feel like. Matt Patricia, like, I feel like that was we could have took our Madden playbook and done the same thing and just been like, all right, we got 12 plays. We'll just keep rerunning them. I don't know how you can be a offensive coordinator and uh, we're out of plays. <laughs> if this doesn't work, we don't have a counter. Uh, so just let's hope that this one works. Yeah. And that, that was, those were, and, and some, those were some crazy stories and what it just, when you think about like, you know, Mac Jones was acting kind of like really upset you know, and stuff like he, he was pretty vocal on the field and you're like, man, he, does he have the cachet, you know, like to be like that. And then when you realize what's going on, it's like, man, he actually toned it down for how frustrated, you know, he probably really was or how we would be in that situation. So that's, that's oh. the only credit I'll give Mac Jones. That's fair. That's fair. 
That's fair. Okay. You ready to move on to our AFC game? The good game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get, get, get to that one. The AFC championship game. This one was a lot more uh, fun. Like you said, uh, to watch a lot of twists and turns throughout the game. Um, the chiefs went into halftime up 13 to six. And then it just like, there was some refing things that were happening. And then the, uh, Roughing the quarterback that set up the game winning field goal that led the Chiefs to win 23 20. Um, let me ask you, uh, Mahomes, just how good is he? Like, literally, like, can we just talk about how awesome he was? The fact that he won that game on one leg and without his three re- top receivers. Yeah, I think dude is incredible. Like, <clears throat> part of the game, you thought, like, all right, they're just hamming up this ankle injury to, you know, make everyone yeah, sure. like, oh, yeah, he's just like, part of me thought they totally, like, oh, Travis Kelsey might not play. I was like, there's no way Travis Kelsey isn't playing in this game. And he's running around fine. Like, his back didn't seem tight at all. But that's why, you know, when I said I don't want the 49ers to play the Chiefs, like, that's the reason. You just watch a game like that, and there's there's not much you can do with those guys when they they find their stride or they pull it together. It's just – it's the difference between this quarterback is good and this quarterback is all-time great. Like, I don't know. I feel like he could, whether they win or lose the Super Bowl, like the dude's probably already in the Hall of Fame, five straight championship games, third Super Bowl appearance already. It's just, it's incredible. Incredible. Do you know he was passing to a guy named Marcus Kemp? Yeah, I saw that on the last one. I'm like, did they just pull that guy out of the stands? Like he comes in the huddle and you're like, Oh my gosh, who is this dude? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I thought too, that you could tell that his ankle was bothering him more towards the end of the game than the beginning of the game, the beginning of the game. I thought he was like, Oh yeah, he looks good. And then you could just tell there was a couple passes that he just didn't, couldn't push off his, his, his foot. Like he he's used to, but Mahomes to me, uh, he ran it when he had to run it that last play. He got, he got that personal foul call and it kind of set up that game winning field goal. Uh, I do. So I kind of switched who I wanted to win throughout the game, especially like I love Mahomes. I'll watch him all day, every day, but I also want a great Super Bowl. And when Tony went down and Juju went down and uh, Hardman went down, I'm like, is there going to be anyone left for the Super Bowl? <laughs> Maybe the Bengals need to win so we could have a good Super Bowl. Um, but I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I feel kind of bad for the Bengals. How did you think they uh, played uh, this this past weekend? I feel like they minus they had some rough calls. Like there was somewhere you're going, okay. <laughs> if I was a Bengals fan, I would be pretty upset at some of them. But part of me feels like they shot themselves in the foot and I don't, you know, punting it when they you punting it down the metal and let the guy try to return it when they got one time out. I, they didn't run it barely at all. Like I think P Ryan out snapped Mixon like 43 to 24 in that game. They ran it. What? 13 times outside yep. of Joe Burrow. So their offensive line could not pass block. And that was apparent in large stretches of the game. And as you were just saying with Mahomes' ankle, I feel like the Bengals should have played that game for overtime because I don't think the Chiefs could have drove more than 20 or 30 yards on that last drive. Like, 
he was just he was getting sore like you said they're down to some guy named Marcus Kemp or whatever I just feel like if you played to overtime even if they get the ball first they don't win it with a touchdown you still get another chance so I think that was their they didn't think it through just get that game to overtime and the longer it went I think they had a more a bigger advantage because Mahomes was you could tell it was really starting to hurt yeah I I agree I thought I even think like if that um, was it Osai, is that his last name? He if he didn't if he didn't do hit the Mahomes when he was out of bounds, I think that um, it probably goes to overtime. I, I you know because it would have been like a sixty yard field goal. It sounded like he wasn't making them, like he was missing fifty threes before the game, so it didn't sound like he had the leg in, at this particular night in Arrowhead. Chris Jones though played out of his mind. He was our one man wrecking crew. I knew he was going to have himself a game when in the middle of the week he walked up to the podium and was like, "It's it's Burrowhead, you know. It was Burrowhead, you know. Like they took a- offense to that, uh, but yeah, he played out of his mind. Good. Um, I so Burrow he had two interceptions. Um. One of them, I think, was a bad pass. The other one was kind of like, well, it's kind of a bad pass, but it was like tipped and it was picked off. So I, I that one I felt like was more of a punt. But like I was talking to Travis afterwards and like it was like third and three or something like that. And he's like, why are you throwing it 40 yards downfield? Just get the three yards. Let's get the three yards. Yeah. Yeah. That second one, minus the fact that it was third and three, it basically like a good punt because like they, they, yeah. they got tackled at the 14 or something. So that one wasn't terrible the other one i don't know he just left it short yeah uh, but i think i thought he played fine i mean he was under pressure the whole game and i know you were talking about like maybe the Bengals should make the super bowl but like i don't know if the Bengals would have fared much better with their that, offensive line in that pass rush like i know they said they that's still a great point weapons, but, you know mahomes assuming in two weeks he'll be a little healthier than he left that game at least mahomes will run around and make something crazy happen. But um, I just, I just feel like that game, the Bengals left like as great as Mahomes was. And he did all the things you need to, to win it. And it's extra amazing because the ankle. And like you said, the guys they had out there and he made the corner and got the five yard run when he had to, and got, you know, probably a generous call to get the 15 yards. It was kind of right on the edge there, but you know, since they both went flying into the air, it looked like he got, blown up but I don't know I feel like if you're a Bengals fan or you are the Bengals you're gonna watch the tape and be like that that we probably should have won that game yeah I agree there was a similar roughing the passer call earlier in the game when uh the Chiefs did it to Burrow as well so I'm like well I don't like the call I'll be honest with you it's a little soft I feel like if it's a running back that if you can do that to a running back then it should be done to a quarterback because technically they're a running back at that point but um Let's talk about the officiating. It's it's a tough it's a tough um game to officiate. I don't envy envy any of the refs. Like I feel bad for them sometimes because I feel like the NFL kind of hangs them out to dry a little bit. Like they should provide them more help. Um, what did you think of the officiating? It's rough because it's so inconsistent. Right. You know, from wild card week to even last week, like you watch those games and you're like, all right, similar to when you watch basketball, I'm assuming I don't watch hockey, but hockey is more physical. Like 
the further you get generally you're not going to call like little ticky tack stuff but it, it's it's literally like they went back to week five and then <laughs> every little thing was a penalty more so with the Bengals. um and it just if you're going to call it that way fine week one through 20 call it that way but when you watch last week's game or you watch the wild card game and you're like all right well they're letting these guys bump which is fine i think i'd actually prefer it you know whether it was you know debo samuel on the slant or aj brown or whatever but when you don't call it one week and the next week you're gonna call it or even and i think like roughing the pass like that on the sideline i almost think some of those should be like reviewable where he in the heat of the moment he throws the flag but when you slow it down like he's just barely stepping out of bounds and the guy just glancingly gets him in the back, but it looks bad because then their feet tangle and they go flying into the bench. So I don't know. You, you hate it because you don't want to use it as an excuse, but you hate like for these teams to get all the way to the championship games. And you're like, this is what we're going to call now. This is what we're going to call in the biggest game of the year. Yeah. I, w- I would say I sort of agree. Like the consistency is the problem. Like, because really None of the calls that were called were technically like wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like they were kind of the right call, but it's that they they can't be switching up the way they call because players get used to it and then they start doing it and then they're like, oh, now you're throwing the flag on this. So I sort of agree with that. Um, and it's it's also tough because even like there were some people, apparently that last play with uh, Patrick Mahomes, he was running around and there was a couple holding calls that were missed one or two, I guess that they were saying it's like, but don't you guys ask, like, I'm also like, aren't you, don't you ask the refs to swallow their whistles and not like throw the flag when it's important points of the game? Like, so you can't have it both ways. Either you want them to call up by the rules to me. I'm more like, be consistent, but like I also want you to play week one the same way you'd play play week twenty. And the reason why is because if you're playing a certain way throughout the entire season, the refs allowing you to get away with stuff throughout the entire season, and then you go in the playoffs and they're like, actually, we're not going to let you do that anymore. Then you're not the same team, and that's not on you. That's on the officiating. So I'm more of like, you got to let them play the same way you would let them play in the regular season because it's all supposed to lead up to the playoffs. Uh, but I, I'm with you as well. I think that one play with um, Osai, like it just he he was running so fast to like stop him that he his momentum just kind of like took and ran into him. I don't think he meant to do it maliciously. You know, what I'm saying I think it's hard to judge a tent, but I think that I think in the same game Burrow had like a 20 yard run, like and it seemed like some of the guys were apprehensive of like tackling him because they didn't know whether or not he was going to slide. I was talking to Luke about it. 35 didn't know like what to do. And then he like just ran by him. It's like, I think these defenders, like they can't win with these quarterbacks. Yeah. I think we talked about it last week, like on that Dak Prescott where they where Eric mm, Armstead yep. hit him like on the goal line where it was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to hit him, but I can't like, if this was the running back, I'm just going to blow right through him and, you know, send him to the ground. And it, even though he's outside of the pocket, they probably shouldn't call it. But then again, you know, how are you supposed to know if you fling the guy there? Be like, oh, that's the quarterback. So it just, it's, you get the purpose of the rule because you don't want to literally just watch what you watched in the game before where a team has like someone who can't throw the ball. So Correct. you get the point of like, you want to protect a quarterback. But on some of these, you're like, okay, you know, 
just put a flag on the quarterback or, (laughs) or, you know, the quarterback can't run. I don't know. I don't know. Like when he gets out of the pocket. All right. And so even some of them, when they slide, you're like, you know, these aren't like me running at the quarterback, you know, where you're like, Oh, this guy is a five Oh 40. I mean, these guys are jacked up running with helmets on and the quarterback, he looked like he was about to slide. So now I got to somehow stop. It's just, it's a catch 22, but. I think both of our points is like, you just got to be consistent the whole time. You can't Correct. have one week where you graze the guy across the helmet and it's roughing the passer. And then in the championship game, you know, you drill the guy and they're like, well, he was in the pocket. It's fine. And you're like, well, again, that's a penalty three weeks ago, but it's not today. Just Correct. And, and, and the same with that intentional grounding that was called on Burrow. Like to me, that should be intentional grounding because he th- clearly threw it just to get rid of the football. He spiked it in the ground. It didn't get back to the line of scrimmage. But if you pan out, like, P. Ryan, I believe it was, was, like, five yards away from the, where the pass hit the ground. And typically, throughout the entire season, they'd be like, well, the receiver was in the vicinity if it's, like, 20 yards <laughs> in, in this radius of 20 yards. it's So I felt bad for – that's the way I think it should be called. Like, it, it clearly he was not trying to complete that pass because the ball didn't even get close. But if you're going to be like, hey, the receiver's in the vicinity in this certain radius that you make up in your head, then that needs to be the rule throughout the, the playoffs. And that was kind of a – I think they ended up getting the first down anyway. I think that that was that third and 16 they had. But um, it's still a bummer that, that that was called just because it hasn't been consistent with the way they called it throughout the season. Yeah. And in both games, it just felt like the refs did, did not know what was going on. You know, like you had that where the chiefs got like a redo of a down, which was crazy. And I, I get when they show the replay, you see the back ref kind of run in, but then mm-hmm. he stops once the play gets started and you're like, okay, but like no one knows what's going on. You know, they're just sitting there huddling and like, I thought these guys were supposed to be the championship games. These are supposed to be the good ones. And they're like, oh, did you see that? I didn't see that. So it's just, I know they're not hired employees, which they should, it's a whole thing that they should change or whatever, but it's just, it's unfortunate because unlike other sports, I don't think it'll ever change in football because like 47 million people watch the Eagles, like play me at quarterback, you know, to win a, at NFC championship game. So like, what do they have to change? Like, great. You can complain all you want, but you're still going to watch the game. You know, the Bengals fans, you're not going to be like, I'm not watching the championship game next year because the refs are going to get us. And you're like, you're still going to watch. So unfortunately, I don't think anything will change until something egregious happens or people go, well, why are we watching this? (laughs) Correct. And I think that's what it's going to take, unfortunately. But yeah, full-time officials, I don't know why they have never done that. I just don't get it because they make enough money. It's kind of crazy to me. Um, the third and nine play again, they got it right. Like what they were supposed to do. Uh, but it just was unfortunate. And I know Bengal fan, it, it didn't lead to anything. They ended up punting the ball. They gained one yard after that. So it's not like it, it, it led to any points, but, um, I would, I would say like if Bengals fans would be singing a different tune, if like Patrick Mahomes would have thrown a touchdown that play and then they called it back, like it, it it's. Sure. You know, like, it's just like you're playing the results sort of instead of like what the rule is, which I just don't technically like I don't agree with. Like, if it's the rule, they got it right. It's a weird situation. It happened like once. Like, I've never seen that happen before. So it's like a once in a million up uh, 
uh, uh, situation. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's probably will never happen again, like in the next 10 to 15 years. But they got it right. You're just upset because of the results, even though the results led to nothing. So I don't know. Yeah. And I think it made it worse, too, because no one knew what was happening. And Correct. Like, yeah. Teams came on and then they were like, and that's part of it. We were like, how do you not know? Like the guy in the back was like, no, I called this that they should be like blowing the whistles. So people are stopping. But we're watching the game and the punters on the field. Everyone's yeah. lining up and. And then you're like, oh, wait, but the Chiefs are going for it. And they're like, actually, we have to redo this down. So I, I think that's what contributed to it. Whereas if the whistle was blowing as the ball was incomplete, then you can be like, oh, okay. You know, like some of those <laughs> delay of game ones where that he snaps and he's about to throw it and it gets blown dead. But they were literally switching units before the ref was like, oh, oh I called that. I called that play dead. And you're like. That's but, kind of that's that's what makes it seem fishy, even though it's yeah. not. It's just the perception of that. And like you said, if Mahomes throws a slant and Kelsey is running for a touchdown, and then they call it back, then you'd be like, Oh, that was a great call. I mean, yeah, the clock the, the clock was wrong. They got it right. So <laughs> right. but I think it's just the, the Yeah. No, you're, you're right. We see the punter and now he's like Oh, redo down. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. And and not only that, but like the why did why didn't the ref continue to blow his whistle like why did he stop because he clearly was moving in waving his arms before the play started i think the reason why he kind of backed off was because the players were like running their routes and stuff he probably didn't want to get run over (laughs) but like i'm like why did he stop blowing his whistle like what you know like he should still be blowing his whistle at this point but yeah that, that was kind of just a crazy thing um okay anything else on this game yeah, I, th- I mean, Tyler Boyd going out. That was big. Behind the, on the yeah. eight ball. But again, like, this is just one of those games. It's not just the Bengals. Other teams do it. I don't, I don't know why you don't try to run it more. Yeah, I agree. Throw, you know, throw, throw a screen pass or something. Like, you know, Joan Mixon is supposed to be, I mean, he had a bad year. But I don't know. Only running it 13 times when it was apparent early on. Um, our offensive line is not going to give Joe Burrow five seconds to throw today. Um, even if you don't have success, like, I mean, how many times did the Eagles run it? They didn't have, you know, they weren't besides once or twice, they weren't like chunking off 20 or 30 yard run. So at least slow the pass rush. But outside of that, it was just not a pretty game, but an exciting game. And unfortunately you have the injury ref, but you yeah. know, when it comes down to a field goal, that's what you want. That's right. Yeah. Uh, T Higgins and chase had two. both of them had two like high pointing ridiculous catches. Uh, I was talking to Luke about it, about Jamar chase. And I kind of agree with him. The Bengals have to learn to use him a little better. Like, like, especially when Boyd went out, like chase should be able to play all over the field. So he should have been like in the slot, giving burrow a quick outlet, you know, whatever. Um, instead of uh, Irwin there, who we, I've, I've never heard of. So anyway, point B, great game. Agree with you. They probably should have stuck with the run. A couple draw plays, get that pass rushing, you know, the pass rushers to come straight at him, you know, so they run by the running back and you can get yards that way. But uh, we got the Chiefs going on. So let me ask you this. Where do the Bengals go from here? Um, you kind of touched on it. What I was thinking of is with, not just smart chase. Like I think they need to tweak the, the, some variety in their offense because you're right. Like you still have Higgins and chase, mm-hmm. but they always go th- 
free receiver. You know, they always stay in the same personnel. They didn't switch anything up, like put in an extra tight end, run a little more play action. You, I'm assuming that both of these guys are good. You could put Higgins or Chase in the slot from time to time. You know, give them a different look opposed to it just all the time. Higgins, Chase, too wide. The Chiefs just doubled them, and you're like, all right, you know, um, Michael Wilk, Mitchell Wilcox, great, you can have a catch. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly. All right, whatever. You want to throw it to him. Hayden Hurst did fine, but again, four for 37, That it, those guys aren't going to kill you. So I think they need to get a little, I mean, the offensive line is obvious, but you can only do so much. Like, it's not like <clears throat> there's top-notch 99 overall Madden-rated offensive linemen Correct. flooding the free agency market. So you got to draft one. But I think that's where you need to adjust your system to – um make it work a little better, especially going into a game where you're like, all right, we're down some, the chiefs got a good pass rush, at least a couple guys, but you know, they just stuck to it. So I, I, I would go with some variety. I don't know. Again, they don't have huge holes on that team. I know both of their safeties are free agents, so they'll probably have to figure out something there, but. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think just in, you're right. It's, it's funny because this team is so like, loaded with talent that like all they need to do is switch up like maybe the way they're using the talent which is had something like because even their offensive line you know they what they were down three offensive linemen who start right the three starters so i mean like get them healthy get them healthy they're fine their offensive line is going to be fine next year you know average or above average or whatever so um yeah i don't think it, other than what you mentioned, sort of switching up how you run your offense a little bit, get, give teams more of a variety of what they're looking at and, and go from there. Yeah. yeah I, I just think it's hard, you know, like you, if you, I don't know, I don't really watch them anymore, but you watch all the shows where people just yell at each other, you know, like first take and first thing. Oh, like oh I don't, they, I don't yeah, watch but, those anymore either. Yeah. You know, like where you have all the criticism and you're like, I mean, even with the 49ers, like they can't drop back pass for the most part, but I'm like, that's part of the system they run. So right. it's a give or take. Like, do you want to be better at passing? Then we're going to sacrifice something in our run game. Same with the Bengals. Like, I know it's – I just felt like in that case, like, you, they have two amazing wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe throw two. I'm not talking about a whole system change. But I know it's easier said than done, and it's easier to look back and be like, this is what you should have done on this play. And, you know, we're not in the stadium, and we're not, um, you know, deeply involved. So it's, it's easy to stay, which yeah. is why, like, the older I get, usually when you get older, you just want to, you know, like my dad, he was texting me during the 49ers game, like Brock Purdy should still be, you know, it's just nerve damage. And I was like, so today I'm like, he literally tore his ligament dead. Uh, yeah. It's not like put some dirt on it, you know, cause he loved Brett Favre. So, sure, sure. Um, so, you know, like some of these things I'm like, I know we can watch the film and be like, you should do this, you should do that. But like a lot of work goes into this and it's hard to just give up your one strength like the Bengals have and then instantly try to change it and hope that the guys are on the same page you know you put Higgins in the slot and be like all right we're going to run this one slant play we practiced eight times this year and he runs it wrong and it's a pick six and then we're killing him for running a slant with T Higgins out of the slot yeah yeah no I agree like it's all part of the system it's what they've done all year what makes them work it's just like but to me little tweaks like 
moving your receivers around. I think Boyd can play outside too once in a while. Like it's just moving them around, giving defenses different looks, you know, um, because eventually what happens is sort of like the Packers offense back when McCarthy was there is like, we got our, our three guys, they're better than your three guys. So they're just going to beat you route running running deep. We don't need to do motion. We don't do need to do any of that stuff. And it worked when you had, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, and a healthy young Randall Cobb. But then when you start to lose those weapons or they start to get injured and you're relying on like MVS to do it and all these other guys, it doesn't work the same because they're not that they're not better than the the people in front of them. And that's where like, I think like when you look at the Bengals, that's part of the problem is like, okay, you're right. They double the two outside receivers and just like have the other guys beat us. And they just, I mean, they, like you mentioned, Hurst had an okay game, but like they couldn't consistently beat them. And that I think moving chase, moving Higgins can, can uh, help with that problem a little bit, but uh, they just pay me, they'll, you can pay me like $500,000 year. I'll, I'll send us some suggestions, you know, I'll yeah, be yeah. A, <laughs> what do you call it? A consultant. Yeah. I watched yeah. this play. This is what I think you should add. I'm done for the year. Thanks. Where's my check. Yeah, with that being said, they know more football than we'll yeah. like they'll they'll lose, you know, they will lose their memory of football. You know what I'm saying? Like we we will never obtain that memory that they've lost. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they will always know more football than we do, no matter how much football they forget, yeah. you know. Yeah. I sent the clip to my dad. I don't know if you saw it was uh from Richard Sherman's podcast. It was just like a, a one minute, maybe it's a two minute video. And it was about how like when we watch the game, you know, you see like a busted coverage and you're like that bum, how could it? And he, he referenced a play when he was with Seattle that uh, Shanahan ran. And it was basically the way he lined them up. There was no way for them to cover it based on the scheme the Seahawks ran. So it was just like a two yard slant that went for like a 60 yard touchdown. Okay. And it looks, they should, it, you see the play and it looks like, what are the Seahawks doing? But based on like the principles of the the defense, which like you just said, we will never understand like they do. So you watch it and you're like, how does a two yard slant go for a 60 yard touchdown? What are they doing out there? And you're like, well, all the guys did what was they were supposed to. It's just um, these guys are smart on each side of the ball. So sometimes you just pick a perfect play and it looks terrible. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's uh let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Uh we'll probably have a preview podcast next week, a little bit more in depth on the Super Bowl. Uh we'll talk about the Eagles against the Chiefs. Uh just your quick thoughts, uh maybe something you're looking forward to, maybe a storyline, and then maybe like your early prediction. What do you got for me, Clint? Well, I think a lot of it's gonna come down to the Chiefs' health. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um part of me does think maybe the Eagles defensively get overconfident you know like if you rush the pasher pat pasher and now i sound like what's his name <laughs> yeah yeah uh, chris Collins. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you rush patrick mahomes wrong it's gonna look ugly so my thinking would be is the eagles line gonna be disciplined enough are they gonna rush him the right way and not just try to get home um and rack up six or seven sacks because if patrick mahomes can move you know, 50% better than he just did. That's how the Chiefs, despite limited weapons, are going to move the ball on them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm excited to see that sort of 
game, the the defense, the especially the defensive line that gets to Patrick Mahomes, uh, in the offensive line for the Chiefs, who has been pretty good this year. Like they've been one of the better def- offensive lines, I should say, the Chiefs offensive lines line. Uh, and then also of Chris Jones, like because the Eagles offensive line is so good. Like who's going to win the trenches? Um, I would say if I was picking this week, I would probably pick the Eagles because of how banged up the Chiefs are. The fact that they get a whole nother week to rest, um, I think could work in their favor. And I'm kind of interested to hear um, what the health, especially his wide receivers are. Patrick Mahomes uh, and the Chiefs wide receivers are moving moving into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I would agree. If they were playing this week, I I would highly favor the Eagles. Yeah. Just with the injuries. Like I don't know. I haven't seen any updates on like Juju or Tony if they if they're gonna play. But I'm I'm assuming a couple will probably wouldn't play this week, but you get the extra week. Um you know, I think if you're the Chiefs, I would kind of play it like the Niners did and make Jalen Hurts throw. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know they have AJ Brown, and I'm sure they're going to try to throw a couple deep balls to him because he'll want a, a Super Bowl touchdown or whatever. But they got a couple of good corners, so yep. It's hard to bet against the Chiefs. Like, if if you just look at it, though, it's one of those where I'm like, I think the Eagles are going to win this. But again, it just takes a couple of mistakes on defense where the you don't play it right, and Patrick Mahomes sneaks out, and then what? It doesn't matter if he doesn't have you know if he doesn't have AJ Brown. Um, someone's going to get open when you got five or six seconds to run around. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a fun game. I think I hope anyway, I hope it's a close one. Nice. Yes. N- n- nicely. Not Bronco Seahawks level. Yeah. No, no, please. No. Um, I would say it, it, depending on the health, it could get that way though. Like I, I think Mahomes surviving a half with the injury slash lack of weapons that he had, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he might be able to do that. I don't know if he could go a whole game with having lack of weapons and that injury and think that he'll, you know, stay close to a team like the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. It could be like a slow first half, too, where the Eagles, I mean, I should say the Chiefs don't uh, come out blazing. I mean, I think the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball, run the ball, so mm-hmm. they might have a 14, 15 play drive that takes eight minutes and the chiefs might have to nickel and dime their way down the field. And they might have a 12 play drive that takes seven minutes. And it might be kind of how that the 49ers Eagles game was before it got ugly. Like uh, how is it? Seven, (laughs) seven, (laughs) seven halfway through the second quarter with these two offenses. And then the second half, you kind of open it up. So. Yeah. One thing I will say that's going for the Chiefs, though, is that they've been to the Super Bowl recently, uh, obviously. Uh, and that halftime, I was listening to a podcast. They brought that up like the the halftime is such an adjustment for players that usually the second time they deal with it, they deal with it so much better than the first time, because I think it's like 34 minutes over, you know, when it's usually like 12 minutes. So I think that'll work in the Chiefs favor. And uh there's going to be a bunch of storylines. Reed versus his old team and the Kelsey brothers and Hertz versus Mahomes. The trenches will be talked about. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see what happens. Who are you leaning? Who are you uh, leaning right now for if you in two weeks? So we talked about who we think would win this week, but are you leaning that way? I would lean Eagles, okay. but I think I would, I would pick the chiefs only because 
every team that has played the 49ers has lost the next week all season, the next game they played. Oh, interesting. That's a cool fact. I don't know if that actually applies to this one because the Eagles really didn't have to play the second half. But... That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but in a standard one, maybe that'll be my 49ers victory is, hey, they let the Chiefs get a Super Bowl. Well, how nice of them. That would be the second one that they let yeah. them have. Oh, look, we gifted them a second Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to lean Eagles as well, but I know by the next Sunday I'm going to end up picking the Chiefs because that's <laughs> – that's what I do. So, okay. Uh, anything else? I'm football. I don't think so. Okay. On, well, on the next year. No. On the next year. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, um, who wins the Super Bowl, and then it's going to be all basketball stuff. Uh, you got time for maybe just a quick basketball trade talk? And just give me. I know yeah. I asked a couple of your teams that you're looking forward to or players traded. Um, or whatever, why don't you just start us off? What's a team or two that you're looking at as far as buying, selling, or players you're watching out for for the trade deadline? Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what Toronto does. Like, mm. they just, which pains me because I don't know if I picked them. I don't think I picked them to be a contender. I think I picked them to be a playoff team, though. Um, I did too. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we fall for the Raptors last year, too. Why do we do this? I don't, it just uh, so I don't know if they're what a game and a half out of the play in right now. So I don't know if they're gonna blow it up. I shouldn't say blow it up, but trade Ananobi, Van Vliet, one or two of these guys, um, or just power through. But I think they're kind of like the linchpin that if something big is gonna happen, it's probably gonna come from them. them. I don't see any other team like I mean, I know. The Clippers were like, maybe we'll get Kyle Lowry. Like, all right, that's, I mean, that's not like a blockbuster guy anymore. Yeah. Uh, the, the big rumor for the, the Clippers right now is uh, Van Vliet um, that they're really interested in grabbing him. Um, I I don't, they don't want to trade Terrence, man. I don't know what else they'd have to throw at the, I know they have one pick they could offer, but it's just like, is that enough for Fred Van Vliet? I don't, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, the Clippers just, they just throw money at whatever, but <clears throat> they've kind of survived the season so far. The West has been pretty uh, minus the top. I mean, Sacramento is third, but it's kind of weird looking at the standings and seeing Denver, Memphis, and Sacramento. So it just, yeah, I don't know what the Clippers are going to do. I guess the Suns are another one. You know, they might make a big move. They got their new owner coming in. Maybe he's uh just give me anything so that we can win type of guy. Do you, do you think they trade Aiton? Because obviously Aiton doesn't want, he can be traded. I heard. So um, he doesn't want to be there. Uh, do you think they trade him? I don't know if they do it at the deadline, but I think they do this summer. Like I just, you can tell from his play, which is unfortunate because you're getting a buttload of money, dude, just play hard. You know, you can get out of there eventually. Like, they'll trade you, I think. But I don't know if they can do it at the deadline and get an impact. Because, you know, I don't know. I saw maybe Dallas would sniff around. But, like, what does Dallas have Correct. that's going to make Phoenix better this year? Um, or any of those teams, you know, if the Pistons want, I don't think they would. But, like, you go through even some of these bad teams that might want. I'm like, what are they going to give you? 
unless you're going to trade them for picks and then try to package picks into a player. But that's probably better to be done in the off season than right now. Cause what are the likelihood that you're going to flip them for say two first round picks and then take those two first round picks the same week <laughs> and then flip get them. the guy you want. Yeah. So I, I think he's gone, but I think they'll ride out this season unless, you know, unless the Raptors want them and they can get Van Vliet and Ananobi, you know, mm. for eight and then some picks or crowd or whatever the salary needs to, you know, to match that all up. But I don't know. Again, does Toronto view Aiton as this is our center? Like, I don't view him that way. So, yeah, they do need a big though, because that's part of the reason why I think they're struggling a little bit. They tried this small ball experiment where they're playing Siakam at center, and I just think they're too small. Although it's really cool because they can switch everything, but it's just, I don't know. Um, I agree. I think Aiton offseason, especially when you wait till the draft lottery is done with, because like, there's going to be a team or two who want, like if the Pistons miss out at Wimbenyama or the Hornets miss out on Wimbenyama, they're going to want a big, you know, and that's where you could probably get their pick because they'll probably still be a top four. You, you know, maybe you can get their pick for Aiton. And like you said, either they could fall in love with someone in the draft. They could end up resetting it because Chris Paul's going to be another year older. So maybe they'll be like, okay, this is a good, perfect time to reset. Um, yeah, who knows? But yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, any other teams or players that sort of interest you as far as the trade deadline goes? I don't think they'll do anything, but I think Memphis should swing that's the, big. That's the Ananobi like rumor is that like if they them and the Raptors could figure someone else to get OG over to Memphis. I just I feel like Memphis. I I get like you have a lot of young guys, but I. I always wear like when you have a window to win it yeah. and Ananobi's young. So it's not yeah. like, Hey, we're trading for Bogdanovich. Who's like 34. Like, all right, all right like he's good, but all right, we're not going to sacrifice our future right. for an old guy. I, I just think like, this is a window and you hate to be like, all right, we're young. We got a few years because if you don't win it this year, like what if Joel and beat, wants to be traded next year and then he mm-hmm. goes to a team and they make a super team and you're like oh crap well there goes <laughs> there goes yeah, another right. year that we don't got it like it, if you have a chance and they have a legitimate chance minus injury like i guess injury for any team i don't know i, I would give up something to get it now because <clears throat> as things stand right now I, memphis has just as good a shot as anyone else to win it and if you can get ananobi on that team probably make them the favorite. So I don't think they'll do it because I think Memphis really likes to draft and they're a really good organization, but it just, you hate to waste a year because you don't know what's going to Like I said, who knows? Someone might get traded next year and you're like, well, now we have the new warriors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think part of it is like, could they be thinking like, Hey, we got enough assets to get that Embiid type of player if they come available, like, is that part of the apprehension? Because like, if they could wait till the off season and wait for the next, next disgruntled superstar, whoever that might be, it might be better than what, you know, getting Ananobi who I like him a lot, but he's just like a really great role player. That's what he is. He's a really great role player. Great three and D guy. That's, that's who he is. Um, 
I don't think he'll be anything more than that. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, but uh, so are they kind of holding on to their che- treasure chest to offload it on like, you know, an MB type or whoever it might be the next guy who wants out. Yeah, so that, that could be like, I always thought that they were waiting for Jalen Brown, but the yeah. Celtics have, you know, the Celtics, the first half of last year, it looked like the wheels were coming off and that wasn't going to work. And they turned it around. So minus Jalen Brown wanting to leave. Um, I think that's kind of a dead end at this point, but you're right. They could wait to the off. You just hate like, I don't think you would have to give up like true holiday package to get OG Ananobi. Cause correct. The, you know, Memphis has some young guys you could throw in that are good, but I don't know if they're good enough that if you're in the Western conference finals, you're going to roll some of these guys. I don't be like, I feel totally confident. So that was my only thought with, with Memphis is that I feel like they're a team that, won't but probably should go for something to put them over the top because this looks like one of those years where <laughs> yeah minus, i mean the celtics have their first but only by a couple games like they go through stretches where you're like and i think memphis actually matches up good with um boston yeah no i agree i think they should go for it just because the window closes and uh so quickly in the nba uh so this is sort of their year, but I'm, I'm with you when you say like, I don't think they will. I don't think they will. <laughs> I'm with you on that as well. Um, any other teams you're watching players? The Bulls should probably do something. That, <sighs> yeah. That's dead on arrival. <laughs> yeah. Like, I kind of, if it wasn't the Bulls, I kind of feel bad, but it's like, uh, I don't think there's a future. Now Zach Levine's not happy and yeah. I don't know. Not that, not, I mean, he's, he's been injury prone. Lonzo ball seems like he's never going to play again. They don't even know why his knee still hurts. Like, I don't, it just, yeah, crazy. Part of you feels bad because they looked good for a stretch, but you know, I would, again, they probably won't do it at the deadline. You might get more in the off season, but so there'll be plenty of players, but even like Zach Levine is Zach Levine, like, you're going to pay, you want to pay that guy $240 million rest of his contract. If you're, you know, Memphis or some of these, I mean, the Lakers probably would love to. So that's probably where he'll end up one day, but yeah. it's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's the thing. I like the Lakers with those two unprotected first round picks. Well, I mean, well, maybe, maybe he, maybe he could play with Trey young. They could go oh. with another guard. <laughs> yeah. May, maybe that Trey young, I, I thought it would go a little better if he would just be willing to play off the ball, but I just don't think he has that in him. He's uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. <laughs> I was going to mention the Blazers as a team. I'm kind of interested to see what they're doing because they're still trying to like play both. Hey, we're rebuilding as we're trying to build around Dame Lillard and try to win him a championship. And they have this young guy in shade and sharp that he definitely teams are interested in or, crazy like for anthony simons i know that he's like a good young guard but man like i you tried that experiment with mccollum it didn't work out you're basically in the same spot why not like try to move on from these guys to get actual good players around like an og ananobi like (laughs) you know like they could use that around damian lillard and uh i don't know we'll see what they do but i just really feel bad for lillard because he shows he's showing a lot of loyalty to that organization but i feel like they don't do enough to show him the loyalty back yeah i I don't know like as much as 
like Yana should stay here forever. Like if the if the Bucks were twenty, what are they, twenty four and twenty six? I don't think there would be much optimism of a further extension. It just, I I appreciate in this day and age that he wants to stay there. Like it's great, but he's getting up there. He yeah. probably doesn't have many prime years left. He's a smaller guy. I mean, he'll keep his shooting, but as far as his uh, dynamic scoring, getting to the hoop, all that stuff, like there's only a few years left. And uh, Portland just, they just keep rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic and it, it looks good in stretches. And then you're like, Oh, look, Dame Lillard scored 60 so that we could win by five <laughs> type of game. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, anything else? Um, Jay Crowder, future Milwaukee buck in a few days. So you think that's happening? I read something today that the Suns let him talk to the bucks this week this past weekend. Okay. So, it sounds like they can get him without giving up Grayson Allen. Interesting. Not, not that I, you know, want to see Grayson Allen play against the Celtics ever again in the playoffs, but maybe you could move Grayson Allen somewhere else. Like I think the Pistons should just give us Bogdanovich for you know like a ham sandwich and some players. But please no. <laughs> I I hope the the Pistons I, I I hope the Pistons trade Boyan because what they love to do and they did this with Jeremy Grant. It's like. We're not going to trade him because he's part of our future of our plans in the franchise. And then you end up trading him in two years and you get like <laughs> 10 cents on the dollar because you're just not like willing to commit to that. I just don't know why, why you do that, why you de- depreciate your own assets. Like everybody wants him. Get the best package you can for him right now. That's what I would do. Uh, so I wouldn't do a ham sandwich like you want them to do, but uh, I would definitely look into trading him for, you know, maybe a pick in a young player or something like that. Just to, you know, um, it, same with Alc Burke and um, uh, Noel, even though Noel ain't playing a whole lot, but I think there's a team like the Clippers could use a backup big, like whatever you want to give us for Nerlens Noel, I'll take it, <laughs> you know, at this point, because we're not even playing them, but uh, it sounds like Sadiq Bay. There's some interest in him, so we'll see what happens. Um, I was reading some fan stuff, and they're like uh, trying to convince the Pistons fans like that you can't trade Boyan because he's part of like this thing for next year. It's like no, the only people you can't trade on the roster is Cade, Ivy, and Duran. Everybody else, let them like they're all available. If you if you do that, if you over. Um, uh, value your own players and you won't trade them, then you're just, you're setting your, yourself up for failure. So I don't know. I, I will see what they do, but I don't think they're, that he's going to end up in Milwaukee unless if you get some sort of clever three team trade done where you can get them that way. Here's when I'll throw at you. Cause it was on one of the podcasts I pay to listen to. It was, I don't think the bucks would, cause you have to give up Bobby Portis, but it was basically uh, Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen and the Bucks 2029 unprotected first round pick, which is the furthest one out for Bogdanovich. And I think there's one small player that would have to come back, like someone useless, but hmm. that that's a tough one. I, I like the unprotected pick. It's far enough out where like, hey, maybe Giannis, you know, I mean, what is he, 20, 28 now? Yeah, he'd be what, 30, 34 at that time. So, you know, who knows? Um, 
again, it's like is if that's the best offer, I would take it. Like you're getting a future first round pick, which you can eventually trade. Like you get, you know, like you can keep throwing those picks around. You know what I'm saying? Like pretty soon, nobody's going to have their original first round pick. Everybody's going to have someone else's first round pick. So I would personally, if it's the best deal on the table, I would do it. But like, I still would rather have like a young player and a pick. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. See, like Bobby Portis is like <clears throat> Bucks version of like, like, I mean, of course the Bucks are trying to win, but. I know the Bucks push Bobby Portis six man of the year and like the fans love him, And it's mm-hmm. one of those, like they will not trade him this year. I don't think, um, but he's like one of those guys, like if you need to throw in Bobby Portis to get, <laughs> you know, the next guy that you think is it, like I wouldn't hesitate to put in Bobby Portis, but I'm not a huge Bobby Portis fan. So, but they wouldn't, the Bucks are another team that does that sometimes. Like, Oh no, we can't trade Bobby Portis. And you're like, I think we can. He's not going to play half these games in the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I'd be curious because Middleton's up for an extension this year, right? Like this coming year, that'd be an interesting piece to watch. Um, but Luke was saying that if uh, the Clippers like didn't have like they're they're looking good now that both. Paul George and Kawhi's like, hey, maybe we'll play a little bit more. Uh, Kawhi's having a ridiculous, like, last 10 games. His stats were ridiculous when I looked them up. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was, oh, he said, like, Paul George should just go to the box, you know, and, and him, he, he'd be perfect with Giannis. And I'm like, well, yeah, that, that'd be good. But no way the Clippers are like, yeah, we'll take Middleton. You know, like, that's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And Middleton's another one, like, not that I want to trade him, but I don't think he'll ever be traded unless he says it's been a fun ride. And Giannis is like, cool. Who's the next guy we're bringing in? So, right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last thing before we go uh, is uh, what did you think of LeBron's no call in Boston? I just have to ask you, get this in. It's hard because one, I do find it funny that all year LeBron is like complaining about not getting calls like, you know, cry me a river. The other 17 years of your career, you got every one of them. But it is irritating that it was the Celtics they were playing. And you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's exactly what we need. A home court Celtics call. Awesome. You know, that's just like, you know, nightmare fuel. So if it was the other team, like, I kind of felt bad because, you know, I would like the Celtics to lose. But I do still enjoy <laughs> the Lakers losing. Mm-hmm. So, but it's that's another one. Like, how do you miss that? That was an awful, yeah, missed call. I just, I thought his expression was like a three-year-old child that didn't get his way and like just throwing a fit in the middle of the store. And I'm like, why is this guy not getting ejected? Like, I I don't mean to be, like, I get why he was mad. He had every right to be angry. But man, it was just like, dude, you act like you just found out your mom died or something. Like, you're just throwing this hissy fit in the middle of the court. I mean, my God, what in the world? It just, again, it's like compounded. Like, I think after the play was over, the ref was like, oh, no, I totally blew that. And we're like, all right, we're going to let LeBron, you know, put on a Broadway play over here in the middle of the court. So crazy, crazy stuff. OK, man, that's it. Let's uh, let's stop there. We'll do more NBA, more in-depth NBA stuff after the NFL season's over. So uh, thanks, Clint, for joining me again. 
And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you haven't yet, follow me on Instagram at Nutty Buddy Sports. That's when I show I drop podcasts. And also follow me on YouTube. I sometimes put out clips. Uh, ben, been a little lazy on the clips recently, so we're going to hope, hopefully pick that back up. Uh, but, yeah, just uh, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll talk to you guys soon.